Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. You know, the most important thing about a natural law rights is a natural law right does not impose an obligation on any other person. Ayn Rand used to say that someone comes up to you and says, I have a right to, let's say, I have a right to medical care or I have a right to food. Her question always was, at whose cost? Mm -hmm. And that just is a way of pointing out that natural law rights do not not impose an obligation on any other person. Mm -hmm. And no other person has to pay uh, for your natural law rights. We are talking with Howard Lichtman, one of the founders of an incredible project, the Thick Red Line uh, Project. He is the executive director. And uh, again, Howard Lichtman, we're absolutely, it's absolutely delightful to have you uh, on the Freedom Forum Radio. Um, and uh, again, the Thick Red Line Project is at this point, it's a combination of a digital uh, internet project with local chapters on the ground. How does how exactly does that work? So uh, what we're doing is we're recruiting and training what we call community ambassadors, which are community leaders or activists in their own community to be able to uh, discuss with the sheriff or with their chief or with their elected officials or with the media, the issues around victimless crimes and really communicate the benefits to their own town and city in an effective way uh, to support the, the sheriff or the police chief or individual deputies and officers. If you've got to, you know, in most cases, our assumption is the, the, the sheriff and the police chief are good guys that are doing it. But if you've got somebody that's making money off the drug war or, or profiting off of, you know, the prisoner's food or whatever it is, the deputies themselves can link arms and be supported by the community to say no to a dirty sheriff or a corrupt uh, police chief. And so we're, we're encouraging the, the sheriffs, the chiefs and the deputies and officers to say no collectively and then su- and then supporting them uh, with petition campaigns and supporting them with uh, educational materials to educate their elected officials and their community leaders and religious leaders and and other, uh, you know, influencers in the community as to all of the benefits of of uh, of supporting the officers to renounce enforcement of victimless crimes. So on your website, and I think that was one of the most incredible things about your website, you had a handbook 
that handbook is is <laughs> is extremely well written, uh, and it goes into all of these uh, all of these different aspects. And let's go over some of them because I think it's important. Uh, from your own brochure, you divide it into sections. One of them says, "Power corrupts." Talk about mm-hmm. that. Uh, Well, as Lord Acton said, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when you have uh, when you have uh, the the politicians really believing that they have the right to tell you what plants you can use as medicine or whether or not you can gamble or, you know, whether or not you have to wear your seatbelt or whether or not we get to lock down, uh, you know, businesses, uh, certain businesses at the expense of other businesses. uh, If left unchecked, then that power becomes very, very, very dangerous. And I'm sure that you've probably heard the adage that a right not exercised is a right lost. And so, uh, you know, what we're doing is we're trying to stand up for our rights, educate our fellow uh, our fellow men as to what their natural rights are and uh, and, and really push the pendulum back the other way and, and keep people from, um, uh, uh, you know, keep uh, keep the politicians from using uh, the police in a way that is uh, is injurious to the rest of the community. You know, the thick red line in your text, in your uh, handbook says that the, the initiatives are not complicated. They're based on the simple truths of a free society. And I think you've articulated that very well, because when government makes up laws and creates rights, what they're really doing is creating a situation where crimes are victimless. And I imagine, I mean, I would hate to be a law enforcement official having to deal with those kind of decisions. Um, I recently saw a video uh, from Canada, uh, and there's this law on was on law was on Thanksgiving that you could only have a certain number of people in your house. Some neighbor tattletailed on a neighbor, the police came and physically dragged extra people uh, above the quota, whether the quota was six and there were eight people, they physically dragged them out of the house and arrested them. I mean, that is the most absolute disgusting thing that I have ever seen in my life. Uh, It's a violation of every single human right and bill of rights rights and natural law rights that I can imagine. And, you know, the fact that you can get away with that in Canada is is unfortunate. Um, I think if you tried to do that in certain parts of Texas or Arizona, that that, you know, the officers would be shot. And so this is really causing, you know, uh, you know, division in the you know, in the United States until recently I lived, you know, in in northern Virginia. And uh, uh, in January, uh, I joined 22,000 of my other Virginians at the state capitol where, you know, we were armed and standing up for our Second Amendment rights at at an attempt to disarm us. And I can just tell you, you know, from from, you know, being there with 22,000 other, you know, armed people that, you know, not just outnumbered the police, but had better weapons that it, you know, it, it just wouldn't be good for the police to go against the people. And so we want to give the police an out 
where they're not put in a situation, you know, where they're being asked to do something that the, that the community is not just going to say no, but is going to defend their rights, uh, uh, you know. To the we are back with Howard Lickman and Matt Wright, co-founders of the Thick Red Line Project. You know, you're dealing with human beings here when you're talking about law enforcement. Uh, and, you know, the his- history of the world is obviously... Uh, we're seeing repeated cycles over and over and over again. Uh, and here's again, we are in cycles. Uh, another one of those cycles when um, the police are faced with that dilemma. The government is telling them they have to uh, arrest people when they do this, uh, which we have defined as a crime and there's no victim, or you're going to lose mm-hmm. your job. How how do you approach that with the law enforcement uh, officials that you meet with? Well, well, first of all, and we've we started with the ones that are, have already said no. And there's a, there's uh, over 100 plus sheriffs across the country that have said no to the lockdowns, the mask mandates and the red flag laws. And so we've already we just started with the ones that have already demonstrated courage and 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 sovereignty. And all of the ones that we've talked to have been overwhelmingly open to the idea and have met with us generally being walked in by other. We've been walked in by other community organizations that have grown up to support uh, 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 the sheriff or the you know local police chief to say no already. And so um, uh, the ones that we've talked to have been overwhelmingly uh, positive. And not only have they been overwhelmingly positive, but it's really been a uh, an issue that unites both left and right, because even if you're on the left and you support these lockdowns and mask mandates, chances are you don't support throwing people in jail for gambling or for uh, or for um, smoking the wrong kind of plant. And so, uh, you know, in, and almost everybody that I know has been impacted by a victimless crime. And so, um, you know, um, I, part of the reason that I did this is I have friends that are law enforcement officers and, you know, I don't want to see anything bad happen to them. And I want to, you know, I want to give them an out where they can keep their job, keep their pension, but also the, the community can feel safe and trust them that the protectors aren't going to use violence against them at the behest of politicians. And so to regain the people's trust, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the uh, our peace officers need to, you know, firmly and, you know, establish that they're on the side of the people and that they're only going to use violence morally and only in defense of life, liberty and property and not to try and social engineer society or raise revenue on their friends and their neighbors. And if they're if they're willing to do that, then I can tell you flat out that the people have their back all over this country. I've been all over the place and the people are willing to support the sheriffs and the police officers as long as the police officers are going to support them by not trying to not using violence to enforce these lockdowns. You're talking about an important concept of the constitutional sheriff and any county in which the county sheriff is elected by the people, then 
theoretically, at least, you should have a constitutional sheriff. What that concept means is that the sheriff, because he's elected by the people, is directly responsible to the people for whatever actions he takes. Uh, and so we're fortunate here in, in Western North Carolina uh, the, that we have constitutional sheriffs who will stand right up and say, I am a constitutional sheriff. I do believe in the Constitution. I will uphold the Constitution. And as the highest law enforcement official elected by the people, I am responsible only uh, and to my constituents. And that's a pretty powerful force when you come to uh Laws that are clearly unconstitutional laws that are that go against the civil liberties of individuals. Definitely. And there's more and more. I see more and more sheriffs saying no. And I think it's a healthy sign. They're saying no, not just to the lockdowns and the mass mandates, but they're saying no to red flag laws, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, but it's probably a good time to bring up now these red flag laws where politicians are trying to enact stealth gun confiscation one at a time. And for the members of your audience that aren't familiar with what a red flag law is in certain states, uh, the government has said that, oh, you have a cons- you have a, uh, you know, a Second Amendment. But if, uh, you know, one of your family members or your neighbor or a police officer or a judge feels like that you may be a danger to yourself, then we can come and we can confiscate your guns one at a time. And in some states, Maryland is an example that I, you know, watched up close and personal from Virginia. Uh, the first uh, gentleman that uh, they went to take his gun under the red flag law, I think he was around 63 years old. And I guess he'd been told he had a second amendment and he didn't want to give up his gun and they shot him dead. And so they've also been used in no knock SWAT team raids in Maryland where uh, the police shot dead a 20-something libertarian activist who was sleeping uh, in his bed with his pregnant girlfriend in a no-knock SWAT team raid. And so, you know, pretty sure that most of the police officers that I know, they didn't have red flag laws on the on the books when they signed up. And so now the politicians are asking them to do these more and more tyrannical things. And I'm glad to see that more and more sheriffs are standing up and saying no. And to your point, the sheriff is the high highest elected law enforcement officer in the in the county. And he has the ability and the duty not just to protect the population from, uh, you know, uh, street level criminals, but he is the person that is expected to protect you from the government when the government is trying to enact tyranny within the county. I call red flag laws, what I call them is tattletale laws. They're tattletale laws because they encourage people to tattletale on their neighbors, uh, hopefully not their friends, but it's certainly their neighbors. And this is something that is very, very typical of dictatorships. It's one of the ways Mm -hmm. a dictator can keep tabs on people who are working against the dictator. And so if you are an activist against a dictator, you're constantly afraid that a neighbor might inadvertently see you do something, report it to the police, or just your neighbor might not like you and report some lie to the police. And based on a lie, you can have your rights stripped of you in a dictatorship. Uh, and that's, that's the, that is one of the real dangers of red flag laws, is that it does allow the police 
incredible power to harm you before you are found guilty of anything. That is about as un-American as you can get. Dr. Dan, it's even worse. It's worse than they have the ability to strip you of their rights. They have the ability to kill you. And and, and I, I don't know if you're you're familiar with the term SWAT teaming, but uh, it got popular in kind of, uh, you know, online video gaming communities where, uh, you know, people thought it was funny that when they were playing live with a with, you know, one of their with a bunch of their buddies over it, they'd call a SWAT team on one of the players. So during the live stream, the SWAT team comes in and arrests one of the players. And that became a thing. But that just illustrates how dangerous it is to have, you know, victimless crimes where you can just report somebody for drug dealing or something like that. And on a tip or on a whatever, the government is willing to send a SWAT team to your house, whether or not there's evidence of you committing any crime or not. And so uh, when you when you put that together with with, you know, all of these different laws on the books, it's just a recipe for disaster and unintended to deaths and we've already seen them and they're already going on they're going on in maryland in the case of duncan limp who was the 20-something uh libertarian activist shot dead in a no-knock swat team raid next to his uh sleeping pregnant girlfriend and these just they've just this just got to stop well you know all of these all of these unconstitutional laws like this uh when you look at them in terms of how they are not enacted but how the people who enact them expect them to be enforced. And that's one of the problems is we have government officials who are writing laws, rules, regulations that are unenforceable. There is insufficient personnel uh, realistically to, let's say there was a, a, a law that, uh, a federal law that says you have to turn in all your guns. Well, they don't have enough people uh, to go and take everyone's guns. There are one, uh, 120 million gun owners in the United States. That, that's a task that's impossible. So what they do, uh, they bank on, is what's called selective enforcement. And they will enact, uh, they will extract their vengeance on one person and hope that that scares everybody else into compliance. Uh, I agree. Or because, unfortunately, there's not that many people that will stand up for their rights. Uh, I think they're putting themselves in the position where they can just go and take guns selectively from those people that are willing to stand up for their rights one at a time. Well, that certainly is a problem, because, as you said before, if you don't stick up for your rights, if you don't exercise your right, you will lose it. Uh, and. I mean, that's a very real possibility. That's some of the things that we are going to have to be talking about over the next uh, the next uh, few years is to to find out how we're going to handle how we're going to handle ourselves if laws are passed that do take away our rights, laws that really should not be passed, laws that we should pre- be protected against. I think one of the things that protects us is that local law enforcement officials cannot be compelled to carry out or enforce federal law. That was a Supreme Court case, Prince versus USA in 1997. And that is when, after the Brady Law was passed, uh, the feds, the FBI, went down to the meeting of the Texas uh, Sheriff's Association and announced, well, you guys are going to be helping us enforce the Brady Law. And they said, no, we're not. And the 
case went into the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court did decide in Prince versus USA that the that local law enforcement cannot be compelled to enforce federal law, which is one one safeguard, which again comes back to the value of having a constitutional sheriff. It's your last line of defense. Sheriff Richard Mack, the head of the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officer Association, is a member of our Board of Advisors. And you can find on our website at uh, www.thickredline.org an interview where uh, Sheriff Mack and myself not just talk about Thick Red Line, but where he lays out the problem of what he calls, you know, taxation through citation, which is, you know, local governments using their police department to raise revenue on the population or be act as kind of like highwaymen on the highway and uh, try and fund their operations through the police department. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. (laughs) 